lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings back after a long Labor Day weekend here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin in the hoodie. I've got the pullover. Aaron McIntyre is here as well. He refuses to recognize the massive weather shift that we have had here Indeed. in the Midwest. Uh, but uh, yeah, the temperature is about, what, uh, 50 degrees, literally. I think it's 50 degrees different than it was on Sunday. Yeah, just about. Yeah, so bring on the fall. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Over on Parlor at Steve Dace, our new YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget pre-sales for my new book, due out December 15th. It's the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot, A Nefarious Carol. Pre-sales are happening at amazon.com right now if you want to make sure that you get your copy. We've got a jam-packed show here for you on a Tuesday. The OG of Corona panic, for- panic porn skepticism. Alex Berenson will be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. It's only fitting being that this is now day 175 of 15 days to flatten the curve. So we'll check in with Alex on where things stand. Next hour, we're going to play our weekly game of fake news or not, and then Pop Culture Tuesday, when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. We're going to take a look at the NFL season getting underway and the debate within conservatives about whether to participate in a sport that, uh, in, in most other contexts, would be a celebration of a lot of the values we're trying to conserve, but appears uh, destined this year to try to undermine those values to some degree. We'll debate that all and more, but I want to let you know up front that if you want to take advantage of this really cool school days promotion that our friends over at Patriot Mobile have going on right now, time is running short to support the next generation of freedom-loving Americans. Patriot Mobiles is running this school days promotion until September the 12th. So it expires later this week. You can choose either a free phone or a free month of service when you switch to America's only conservative cell phone carrier. That's Patriot Mobile. Plus, they won't charge you hidden fees, and they don't take the profits that you help them with and fund left-wing causes with them. Instead, they're going to donate a portion of your bill to Students for Life. So get the same reliable nationwide service but with a company that supports and shares your values instead. Switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, buy a new one if you'd like to do that. Just call 972-PATRIOT. Use the promo code STEVE to take advantage of this school day's promotion. 972-PATRIOT. That's the number. Or you can go on the website at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Well, after a long weekend, we need this. Here's Aaron's rundown of all that happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Coronavirus News. We're now on day 176 days of 15 days to flatten the curve. A new article published by Cambridge University Press says that testimony given to a U.S. House Oversight Committee in March mixed up the terms case fatality rate with infection fatality rate. The House Committee was told that estimated mortality for the disease was 10 times higher than seasonal influenza. That was the primary argument 
argument for lockdown. The piece doesn't specify who made the error, but I think we all know who it is. It is 10 times more lethal than the seasonal flu. Speaking of Dr. Fauci, he's written a new paper for the journal Cell. Here are some selections from that piece. Quote, one can conclude from this recent experience that we have entered a pandemic era. He goes on to say, there are many examples where disease emergences reflect our increasing inability to live in harmony with nature. He goes on, living in greater harmony with nature will require changes in human behavior as well as other radical changes that may take decades to achieve. Rebuilding the infrastructures of human existence from cities to homes to workplaces to water and sewer systems to recreational and gatherings venues. In completely unrelated news, a new YouGov poll of registered voters finds the media is now less trusted than your governor, the CDC, and Donald Trump for providing accurate information about the virus. An Israeli study has found a large correlation between vitamin D levels and the presence of COVID-19 infections. Essentially, this means the more people are out in the sun exercising or just being outside, the less likely they are to become sick from the disease. According to info from the CDC and compiled by researcher Justin Hart, hospitalizations from the virus are down to just 4.5%. That's compared to 22.1% back in March. The case fatality rate from the disease is now likely hovering around 0.7%. That's down from 6.7% back in March. The World Health Organization has promoted Johan Jacecki into a senior advisory position. Jacecki is regarded as one of the masterminds of the Swedish model for handling COVID-19, i.e. herd immunity. Sweden, by the way, has not had more than 11 COVID-related deaths since July 18th. That's more than 50 days ago. Major League Baseball umpire Joe West ejected Washington Nationals general manager Mike Rizzo from their game against the Atlanta Braves over the weekend because Rizzo was not wearing a mask while seated by himself in a suite. Somebody's been ejected, either Joe West or Hunter Wendelstedt saw it, and they've asked security to be called either in the second deck or third deck. And they said, we'll wait for you. The United Nations tweets, The COVID-19 pandemic is demonstrating what we all know. Millennia of patriarchy have resulted in a male-dominated world with male-dominated culture, which damages everyone, women, men, girls, and boys. We are the world. In other news, the Trump administration has announced that all racial sensitivity training involving the use of critical race theory and white privilege, that's basically repackaged Marxism, will come to an end in the federal government. Trump has also threatened to defund schools teaching the 1619 Project. Checking in on Portland. Yes, that's a rioter who got caught in the path of a Molotov cocktail, for those of you listening. Let's watch that again. In New York City, a mob carrying Death to America signs marched through the streets while chanting, Burn the precinct to the ground in every city, in every town. In Rochester, New York, a mob of Black Lives Matter terrorists marched into restaurants and physically removed patrons while yelling at them because racism or something. The same thing happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.
In completely unrelated news, Jacob Blake, the man shot by Kenosha, Wisconsin police a couple of weeks ago, pleaded not guilty to third-degree sexual assault from his hospital bed late last week. Kamala Harris apparently visited with Blake's family. I mean, they're an incredible family. And what they've endured, and they just do it with such dignity and grace. And, you know, they're carrying the weight of a lot of voices on their shoulders. Speaking of Harris, she's officially now a vaccine skeptic. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. Joe Biden finally condemned Antifa. I condemned it across the board. The president still hasn't condemned the far-right folks coming out and, for, and protesting and using violence. Do you condemn Antifa? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Violence, no matter who it is. And finally, UFC competitor Bobby Green had a message for the country after winning his fight over the weekend. So we've been fighting right now in this time in our country. We're doing this whole Black Lives Matter. Everyone's fighting. Everyone's looting. This is my father. I was born in foster care. I didn't have a mother or a father. They gave me away. My father wasn't fit to be my father, this is my dad here, Jacob Benny. He's been there since the beginning. He's done everything. He laid his life down for me and I lay his life down for him. I don't judge any man on the color of their skin, but the content of their character. We're here, we love, it doesn't matter what color it is. It's all about love. You can't beat hate with hate. You beat hate with love. So everyone out there, please stop fighting. Please come together. We can't beat it that way, with love. And that's what happened while we were away. Amen to that. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens, Smart. You know, a lot of the things that your pet needs the most in their food has been left out and sterilized for the same reasons that a lot of that's been left out and sterilized from our foods. Uh, so it will have a long shelf life. That means um, the probiotics, the prebiotics, the omega oils, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, those complex nutritional needs our pets need are not often being met by the food that they eat. That's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It is not a new dog food. It's a dog food supplement, just like we have to take supplements nowadays. This is a supplement for your pet. You sprinkle it on your dog's food, and it's full of all those things that your dog needs to be healthier and happier. And apparently it tastes great too, because our dog, Cap, absolutely loves this stuff. So take the Rough Greens 14-day Jumpstart Challenge today for just $14.95 and see if you don't see the difference in your dog in two weeks or less. You can do that at roughgreens.com slash blaze for R-U-F-F is how you spell it, by the way, for roughgreens.com slash blaze. The vitamin D uh, news that Aaron cited, This is uh, these are studies that are actually Israel- uh, as Aaron pointed out, is doing a study on this. Countries all over the world are doing a study on this, by the way. And there's a lot of promising data on vitamin D as a natural mitigator pushback to coronavirus. If you have been listening to this show since March, though, you should not be so- shocked at this news. Because I told you back in March, pound the vitamin D. It's one of the first things I told you. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a doctor. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So how did I know this? We're going to get into that today in the overtime. Okay? The the three keys to why so much of the research that we did from the very beginning on this show has been confirmed over and over and over again as 
we've gone down the rabbit hole. How is this possible? Well, it, it takes a little critical thinking. It takes a lot, though, of just wanting to pursue the truth, regardless of what the outcome of the truth is. See, what you're learning here the last six months is there's really not too many people left in our country, particularly those that are either forming the news or reporting it to you, that are really all that interested in what is the truth, regardless of what the impact of that truth being true actually is. They're far more interested, and it's far more popular to think you can conjure truth or shape it and mold it into the outcome that you would like it to produce. But we're going to get into that today in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's where you can go to watch at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. If you're not already a subscriber, go there. Get a discounted subscription today to Blaze TV at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. If you're already a subscriber, cool. It'll be posted right there on that same website for you later today. Let's get to what's left in Aaron's montage. And I like that Aaron, maybe, did you do this on purpose? You, you left out what has unfortunately been the dominant story of now the last five days, you have left it out of your montage. Did you do this on purpose? Absolutely. Okay, good Good on you. Because I am concerned we're off message and th- that we have memory hold a lot of good positive news because we're on day five of let's push back on a story in the Atlantic And now suddenly John Bolton, who wrote a a book criticizing the president, says, I was at this meeting. It never took place. It just didn't happen. And so now you're in a position where we're going to retcon John Bolton as our character witness now, when just a few months ago when he put his book out, he was a hack who was just in this for money. And now you see where this gets us. This gets right back to what I just said a minute ago, by the way. The truth based on what we desire the outcome to be. So if we need John Bolton as a character witness, cool. If 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 what he says isn't what we want to hear, then he's a hack. I'll take, how come nobody believes anybody for $1,000, Alex? Meanwhile, what was the point of pushing back on this story for now five days? You know, one of the things we've talked to you about on this show is that narratives help shape electorates. And environments are even more powerful than narratives. You have to frame your narrative in accordance to the environment, right? And certain environments and certain narratives are more favorable than others. I've talked in the past about how on the cruise campaign, one piece of advice I did give that was right since I exposed myself about a week ago for complete and total dumbassery, one piece of advice I did give that was right, though, is we were having an internal conversation about, we had been given some oppo research from Jeb Bush about Marco Rubio's past support for cap and trade, which is just the proto-Green New Deal, basically. And we, I was on a call, all all of us involved in messaging and strategy at a senior level, we're on a call, you know, going back and forth about whether to use this oppo research or not. And I was adamant we should not. Because the conversation at the time was all about who was tougher on immigration, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, or Donald Trump. 
And Marco Rubio can't win that argument. Which means we can't lose it. There can, we, can, we can win it to certain degrees better than other days, but we can't ever lose the argument because our candidate didn't stand up with the Gang of Eight for a photo op. Marco Rubio did. So we can't lose that argument. Why would you want to leave a winning argument? Stay parked right where you're at. Keep winning this argument over and over again. Why change the subject? I think that applies to what's gone on for the last five days. If you are in the media and you don't want Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States, what narrative would you rather have dominate the news cycle after the two weeks you just went through? Law and order, where now even Al Sharpton is out there saying defund the police is a pipe dream for latte liberals. We can't actually do that. We can't live without the police. Yes, folks. That's Al Sharpton, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's when you know you won the argument, all right? Now, which narrative, if you want Joe Biden to win, which narrative would you rather have, the, would you rather have your opposition consumed by pushing for the last five days? An obscure, elitist, left-wing publication that no one, literally no one, no one, no one, that would ever think for a nanosecond legitimately about voting for Donald Trump would ever read or knows what it is. And so we're in this inside baseball realm, pushing back on you and you push back on me. Or um, civil unrest. We've now recovered half of the jobs we lost from the stupid lockdowns. We've got unemployment under double digits. Remember when you guys asked me a month ago what I thought had to happen for Trump to win re-election? I said, folks, I, I don't think he can win re-election unless we get unemployment under double digits. Remember that? Yeah. And we looked at, you guys looked at me like, that I think we're screwed. I, I, mean, I don't think he can do that. Given where, remember that? It's Labor Day. It's Labor Day. It's already under double digits. <laughs> All right. Like, no one talked about that on the right for the last five days. No one brought it up. So would you rather be talking about that, civil unrest, or an obscure, elitist, left-wing publication's latest gotcha piece that, frankly, most people don't even care if it is true? Who cares if it's true? Who cares? I sat in a room one summer afternoon waiting for Donald Trump to finish his talk with Frank Luntz so that he could walk off stage, meet me in a private room, and close me on working for his presidential campaign. And I sat there and watched him say, oh, I like guys who, I like uh, soldiers who don't get captured. Those are my heroes. And I heard 2,000 people <gasps> do that. And I walked out that, na- that afternoon thinking, that guy's toast. He's done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Like, that was a waste of my time. He's now president, guys. You fell for the banana in the tailpipe, man. Because so much of this industry is about countering their BS as opposed to our own counter narrative. Where does it say we have to respond to them all the time? The people that you need to vote, if, it, if the election is about, if those people go into the polls, and, they're, and even if they're like, you know, no, I doubt he said it, but man, I'm really disturbed by that Atlantic story. They're not voting for you. Is that, is that, is that a safe assumption? It is. I think it's safe. If they walk in there saying, man, we've had a rough year. I got my job back. Kids are back in school. 
unemployment's back under single digits. I, I think maybe we're going to have a good Christmas and we can do that family vacation next year. I think those people have a decent shot of voting for you. So when you have a chance to promote the narrative of those who would vote for you, why would you promote and spend five days responding to the other narrative? Why would you do this? Why? I don't know. I'm asking a lot of people in this industry because it's what I've set back and watched us do now for going on day five. W, you want to respond to that, Aaron? Go ahead. Yeah. From what I've seen yesterday, I mean, President Trump is actually doing a better job of staying on message than the conservative media is. I know. know. That was great coming out yesterday from the clips that I saw coming out with that press conference yesterday talking about the economy and the jobs numbers. I mean, he's at that point, at least he's he's doing a better job than conservative media. Let's get to the top line thing you mentioned. The Cambridge article on CFR and IFR. Now, what is the difference? CFR is case fatality rate, which means you just take the number of cases and divide them by the number of deaths. That's, as I told you when I explained this last week when we had this conversation, that is not the best way to determine the lethality of a pandemic. It's a baseline way. It's not a terrible way, but it's not, I think I described it when we had this conversation last week, it's just not the whole picture. It's a good baseline to start with, but it's not it's not holistic or sufficient, right? Is that how I described it, I think, last week when we had this conversation? Yeah. All right. And and the reason being is because there's always more people infected than you can identify at a given time. And so the infection fatality rate, this is now where antibody tests come into play. How many people are showing signs of infection with, with, uh, in the hemoglobin or cellular immunity, for example, that even if they never had any symptoms, so they would have never gotten tested, that gives you now a, full, a, more, a fuller context for the lethality of a virus is the infection fatality rate. For our leading infectious disease expert to go before Congress and conflate those two. Are we sure he conflated them? I I don't. Tell me what you mean by that. Was it just dishonest from the get-go? Well, I was going to say there's two options here. Okay. They're all bad. And and they're not just bad, guys. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, they're cosmic. They're not bad. They're, they're. One is one is demonically treacherous. The other is a level of incompetence yeah. that is that is so breathtaking. It I don't even know what to say to that. Because I know he's pushing 80, but it's not like listening to Anthony Fauci is like listening to, to Joe Biden here, right? And and so could the incompetence come from then another nefarious place, meaning a deep-seated desire to promote a particular narrative that you never did another layer of check to make sure what you were saying was accurate? You know what I'm saying? You just got you got the you got the narrative you wanted and just ran with it as opposed to double and triple checking to make sure that you were you were accurate about this. Yeah, and this isn't just one Svengali who everybody around him, no one. No one. That's said, the other thing too. Um, check the math. It's 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 simply unbelievable. It it, it 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 absolutely is unbelievable, especially as I've pointed out before, on February 29th, 
11 days before he went to Congress and gave out the numbers of this conflation that Aaron just cited in his, in his montage that is now false. 11 days prior, on February 29th, Anthony Fauci wrote a piece for the New England Journal of Medicine, hardly a podunk publication. It's maybe the leading health publication in the United States of America. And in that, and in that, and in that piece on February 29th, he wrote what he thought the true IFR would end up being for COVID, and it's right in line with what John Ioannidis predicted at Stanford University after the Diamond Princess incident, and totally different than what he went and said to Congress 11 days later. And remember, I asked on this show a few months ago, we what changed with Anthony Fauci from February 29th to March 12th? What information did he learn in those 11 days? Well, maybe it turned out to be this. Then if that's the case, you mean to tell me that our leading infectious disease expert doesn't know the difference between a case fatality rate and an infection fatality rate? Because the reason you have to be very careful about extrapolating public policy from a case fatality rate, go back to Aaron's montage. Did you look at the trend line of the CFR? It has gone down. Now, at the same time, it's gone from about 7% in March to less than 1% in August. What is the testing rate done in this country? What is it? Where, where are we at testing since March? Exponentially. Skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. We've done like 40 million more tests than the next closest free nation on earth, India, with four times our population. So are we just that much better at beating COVID? We're better at it, right? There's things and treatments we know we didn't in March, right? We're better at it. But are we that much better at it? Or did we just expand the amount of people that are getting tested so that the case fatality rate just organically comes down? Because when you first have a pandemic begin, whom are you going to test first? Remember, we had these conversations in March. Who's getting tested first? The sick. The sick. The most. Remember, in March, one out of every four tests that were done for COVID were in the state of New York. So it only makes sense, folks, that if the majority of your testing is to identify the sick first... Those rates are going to be higher. And then once you think you've got some of that under control and you start expanding out to a second layer of testing, a third layer of testing, the case fatality rate's just going to come down because you're doing more tests. That's common sense. But how did he not know this? Well, they know it, but the reason they're uh, hyping up the testing is because they don't actually care what the testing says in terms of hospitalizations the sick not the asymptomatic it's just more tests more, more cases regardless of any nuance whatsoever that was the decision that was made that's a political decision it's not a health-based decision no question about that there's just no question about that whether it's incompetence that's political he got a narrative, a political narrative they wanted, and he ran with it without double-checking it, and it was sloppy. Or whether it was malfeasance, then that's political. The, the whole thing is political. The whole thing is. That's why people keep screaming that I was a hotspot right now. It's, Even though... It's not. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not. <laughs> but here's where we get to the good news in Aaron's montage. That poll on how people's trust in media has plummeted so low on COVID, that they actually trust Donald Trump more. That's excellent. That's the best news in Aaron's entire montage. Because what it means is, they're just tired of the panic porn, and I've got to get back to my life, and 
I just, it was, hey, dude, it was a fun summer, spring, summer fling. Let's sit home and until there's a vaccine we may never have and hunker down and wear our masks. You know, summer loving, man. It was great, Sandra D. Okay, but I got to get back to school. I, you know, I got to get back to Rydell High here and put on my T-Birds jacket and get my diploma. You know, got to return to real life here. You know what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. here? The, the, the seven Greece references I just made. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I, that was fun. It was fun while it lasted, but we got to get back to real life. That's what that poll says to me is that, okay, thanks. It was cool while it lasted, but, you know, I got bills to pay and got to get the kids back in school. So, See it. That right there is a, to me a key data point in getting our country back more than anything else is the mood of the public just turning against wanting to indulge this anymore. And I hope that means that thank God they get what we were just talking about that when you do all these tests and you come back with all these positives and it's clear all these positives are asymptomatic or common cold versus hospitalization. Andrew Boston at Brown University yeah. has documented with their own dashboards 11,000 plus of these university positive tests that we're hearing about in the news, zero hospitalizations so that's, far. That's a pretty low number. Zero out of 11,000, guys. Zero out of 11,000. That's what you're talking about. That's right? exactly it. And they get it. Alex Berenson's going to join us. The OG here next. So what does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? Turns out it could be a lot. The FBI has reported since the virus struck, cybercrime is up 75%. And wait, it gets worse. The legal title to our homes are kept online right now. And that's why this is a new and popular crime called home title theft. And it's growing because cyber criminals have found the titles to our homes online. So they forge our signature on a quick claim deed, refile as the new owner of your home. And before you know it, you're off your title. They can destroy you by taking out loans against your home, steal the cash, stick you with the payments. You may not even find out until you get a late payment or maybe even a foreclosure notice. One of the ways that you can avoid this happening to you is with Home Title Lock. They will put a virtual barrier around your most valuable asset, your own home. And the moment they detect any tampering, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address right now to make sure that you are not already a victim and don't know it at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, if you want to try promo code Steve to get 30 free days of protection, you can do that as well. Promo code Steve for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Well, on day 175 of 15 days to stop the spread, flatten the curve, whatever the cliche we were told at the time was, it's only fitting to go to the OG of panic porn pushback, Alex Berenson. It's good to have you back on the show with us, Alex. How are you? Thanks, David. I didn't think we would still be talking about this almost six months later, but here we are. It is. You know what? Let's start there since you went there. Why are we talking about this six months later, Alex? Well, because, I mean, I hate to say that there's an industry that has sprung up around this, There's but there is an industry that sprung up around this. There's obviously politics around this. Um, you know, much of the media has benefited uh, quite a bit from this in terms of 
you know, engagement with with readers and viewers. Uh, big tech companies have have benefited tremendously from this. Um, you know, I, obviously the fear was real at some point, but the but the more the further and further we get into this, it's hard to see this as much of anything right now, except a um, you know, an opportunity for consultants to make money and lawyers to make money and you know, teachers unions to frighten their members and. Uh, you know, and get get additional sick days and, you know, as they are in New York City or get the ability to work from home. And I mean, I, 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 I've one of my people say, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And I say, I'm a cynic. Like, it's impossible to be too cynical about this. But even I'm pretty surprised by the way this has gone, given the, you know, tremendous damage that we're doing to our families and to our kids and to our society with this. But, uh, you know, the people who 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 dug in at the beginning and said this was going to be the apocalypse are not letting go. Yet poll yesterday showed the American people are their trust in media where covid is concerned has plummeted. Uh they want as the, it should as it should they want the kids back in school. Now that you sense and I I kind of drew an analogy before you came on. Hey, we did this summer loving of fear. It was fun, you know, we stayed in our homes, we took an unemployment check, we didn't go anywhere, but you know, now they aren't giving those unemployment checks anymore. My kids got to get back to school. I got bills to pay and so I got to get back to Rydell High, Sandra D. I it was fun. We had a cool fun summer fling, but I got to get back to Rydell High and I got to finish. I got to get my diploma. My old man's going to throw me out of the house and it kind of just seems as if instinctively people were willing to go along with the panic porn for a while because it was convenient and now that it's not convenient for them to go along with it it seems like the worm on this has turned considerably in the last month as as well as a point i've been making on our show for many months alex is if you study the data that is disseminated in every other nation on earth basically other than this one the level of transparency is just so much different every other country on earth than the stratified data we are just now getting from our cdc like the dutch gave that to their people like in the first of may okay and and now that we're starting to get some of this data uh now people are kind of like what are what are we doing here over a virus that 99.7 percent of the people that get it are going to survive why, why are we doing this yeah i mean i think you make an interesting point about sort of the uh the uh i don't i want to the I guess the psychosocial aspect of being, you know, for a couple months, people were scared. A lot of people were really scared. Those of us who were looking at the data really hard weren't as scared. But I understand, you know, what happened in New York City back in March and April was frightening to people. And then you get into the summer and it's sort of like, as you say, well, the kids are going to be off anyway. I can have barbecues. You know, no one's really going to bother me. I can live my life. And I am getting these, you know, these unemployment checks with an extra 600 bucks a week. For a lot of people, as we know that, you know, they're doing as well from that as they would from from a job. I mean, not everybody, but some people. Um, and so, as you say, it was sort of OK. But now. Um, you know, whether you're, you know, an upper middle class, middle class family that's sending your, you know, your son or daughter to to college and they're seeing these ridiculous restrictions or, you know, as you say, you got to send your kid back to high school to get a diploma or you want to go back to work. You're tired of being at home and the summer is over and you're ready to you're ready to do your job. You know, you're you're somebody who likes to work and you're ready to work again. Um, people are kind of past this. And then the other thing I think is that we're six months in and almost nobody knows somebody 
who died of this who's under 75, mm -hmm. okay? And most of the people, who, you know, and if you do know somebody who died who's under 75 or certainly under 65, you probably know that person was pretty sick, either morbidly obese or had really severe diabetes. Like, But but most people don't know anyone who's died from COVID. And and I did a poll on Twitter and more than about 35,000 people responded to that poll. And most people knew either, the vast majority of people knew zero people who died. And then about 10% of people knew one person who died only one person in 25 knew more than two people who had died. And only one person in 50 knew more than two people who died who were under 75. So at some point, the reality of what has happened here comes into play. And then another thing, and you know, I've written these two books about the really booklets about lockdowns. One's about lockdowns and one's about death counting. And the second one is about lockdowns and how useless they are. And really that came out, so that came out at the beginning of August. And since then, We've truly seen the end of the spike in cases in the Sun Belt. We've seen, you know, hospitals in Florida and Texas and Arizona and Georgia and, uh, you know, and 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 really across the Sun Belt go completely back to normal. And with, you know, with some deaths, but but far fewer than the Northeast. And now people, you know, the media has done its best to try not to report that. But people are aware of that and they are just they're just done. I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people now are 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 done or close to done with this. I think the panic porn is not over, but is finished. I think it's largely defeated. Uh, uh, guys like you and me probably would prefer it's because um, a lot of the research that we've done these last few months, one in the arena of ideas when maybe as we were just discussing, a lot of it is just instinctively people can't afford to be afraid and scared of this anymore and have to move on with their lives, right? Um, so let's go to what I, what I think is the next phase of this debate. And that is the mask, okay? And I warned my audience a few months ago that the mask was going to be the toll you would have to pay to get out of lockdowns. The politicians were never going to admit that wholesale, whole cloth, these lockdowns were a dumbass, moronic decision, maybe the dumbest, most immoral decision that a government on this continent has made since some of the worst historic decisions we've made in the past that led to things like civil wars, okay? So they're not just going to admit, Alex, that this was just dumb. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to extract some cost from us to, to, to make it seem as if the, the, the concern was at least somewhat justified, and the mask would be the talisman. That 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 would be the, the the toll you would have to pay, and it would become a talisman of that this was a legitimate concern uh, that we had to originally lock down. And I, I'm getting now flooded with emails and questions from people. When are we going to be over having to wear these things? Before I ask you that question, where is Denmark's randomly sampled controlled study on masks that was supposed to be released by the end of August, and today it is September the eighth. Uh, that is a great question. I do not know. Um, you know, I, I've I've heard and reported on Twitter that uh, that it is finished and that it is ready to be uh, evaluated. You know, that is ready to be printed in a major scientific journal, but it has not been. Um, given how much the media and how much the public health authorities have been pressing masks in the last six months. I, you would assume that if this study showed that masks protected the wearer at all, because that's really what it was designed to do um, uh, it, or designed to check, it would have been released. It would have been released immediately upon completion or close to it. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know that, but that is certainly uh, that is certainly the the my working hypothesis is that this is not a positive study for masks. And that's why it's been so slow. I, but who knows? Um, I would say, you know, we've been fighting about masks for three months. Masks are important. 
you know, but they are, but they, but there, but there's something that's much more important that's coming down the pike, and that is vaccines. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Okay, let me be clear. My children are vaccinated. Uh, uh, you know, on the on the normal CDC schedule, this is something I'd never really even thought about. I'm vaccinated, or you know, got all the vaccines I was supposed to get growing up in the '70s, as you know, as a kid. Um, but but the idea that this maybe a mandatory or quasi mandatory vaccine where it's going to be very hard to work or very hard to attend college or go to, you know, go to school. If you're not vaccinated, I I don't like that idea at all because totally agree. A, A, we don't know. I mean, you know, this is, this would be the fastest vaccine in the history of humanity by, by a long shot. B, um, we've now unfortunately seen that the public health authorities will, I, I don't want to say lie, but will lie about evidence. They've lied about the evidence for masks. They've lied about the evidence for lockdowns. And, and you know, it, papers get printed that show what they're saying is not true, and they, and they won't back off, which doesn't give me very much confidence about a vaccine. And the third thing is there is something, you know, that, that you can have both idiosyncratic and sort of broad reactions to vaccines that are problematic. There's something called antibody uh dependent exacerbation. That's a real thing. What it basically means is the vaccine makes the illness worse. That's not common, but it has been shown to happen with some vaccines. Um, And it's something you have to be careful about. And, you know, under normal circumstances, we would not be rushing a vaccine for a disease that has this kind of, you know, very, very low fatality rate, especially in people under 75. And what I'm especially worried about with the vaccine is Trump seems to have some incentive to press it too, right? So he wants to be able to say, we cured this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and this is where well, I Well, he gave a billion a dollar grant to, a, a, he gave a billion dollar grant to a, a develop a vaccine developer that's never brought a single product to market, Alex, just last that's month. That's right. So you're, you're in this yeah. weird position where the Democrats now who want everything, they want lockdowns and masks and everything else are suddenly saying, whoa, 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 let's take it easy on the vaccine. But I worry there's going to be huge pressure um, to, uh, you know, to, to, to push back va- uh, vaccination once it's available. You know, that billion dollars was just the start of this. There are, there are probably, I don't want to, I don't know if there are hundreds, there's certainly tens of billions of dollars to be made in a, in a vaccine worldwide at, at you know, at, even at a relatively low price. Um, there's a, there's a lot of money in this vaccine. They spent 12 years trying to find a vaccine for SARS-1. Couldn't do it. Every time they would go to human trial or phase two of human trials, the strain would evolve and they'd go right back to, they'd have to go back to ground zero and try again. And then eventually the virus was gone. So the funding, uh, you know, dried up. But if they couldn't do that in 12 years, they're going to come up with one for this one in about 12 months. I don't know. Less, less than 12 months. Yeah, I, I, and, I'm and with I, you. I'm, I'm not honest. anti-vaccination either, but forgive me, I'm not taking a vaccine from Russia for a virus with a 99.7% survival rate. I'll I'll take my chances with my vitamin D and my five-day-a-week workouts, but thank you. That, that's okay? right, and, and that's why fighting about masks, by the way, is so important because masks are sort of pseudoscience too. And Agreed. So we need to push back on that. Um, you know, about the vaccines, I would say, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know the story of the SARS uh, original SARS vaccine, so I can't comment on. It, but it's very clear that with the flu vaccine, the flu vaccine is moderately effective at best mm-hmm. in the good years, and mm-hmm. in the bad years, it's almost totally ineffective. So, so you know, the, the coronavirus seems to be a little bit easier to design a vaccine against than the flu, the SARS problems notwithstanding, um, because it mutates more slowly. But that said. Our experience with the flu vaccine does not shouldn't give anybody any confidence that even if this thing works, it's going to work well enough to 
uh, to, you know, to end any chance of getting this coronavirus, which is why we're lucky it's not very dangerous. A bottom line question to close this out on masks. If masks stop me from spreading my droplets and my microbes to somebody else, if that's true, then how come they haven't mandated mask use every single flu season? Like 2018, which was one of the worst flu seasons we've ever had on modern record. How come we're not, how come our kids aren't wearing masks in school every wintertime then during flu season? Why has this never happened before? Because you know why, because they don't work. And they, and there was a big, uh, there's actually some very interesting cases that, before an arbitrator in Toronto involving fights around masks that a, that a couple nurses unions, they didn't want to wear masks. And it was about masks and the flu. And the idea was, if you don't wear a mask, we're going to make you get vaccinated for the flu. And the nurses said, you know, we don't actually want the flu vaccine to be mandatory. Some of our members don't want it. And so they they sued or they brought a claim saying this was again, you know, this is in violation of the terms of our contract. And it was effectively a court case. And both sides presented a lot of data. This was back in 2015. And then it happened again in 2018. And both arbitrators in very long decisions that are available publicly effectively said it looks like there is almost no evidence that masks do anything. And that's in a healthcare setting. OK, that's in a setting where people are being right. I mean, I can't visit my loved ones in the hospital. Alex, if a mask doesn't stop me from giving the virus in the most sterile environment in the general population in a hospital, why the hell would it stop me from doing it in a mall or anywhere else for that matter? It doesn't stop you from, it doesn't prevent you from transmitting it and it doesn't prevent you from getting it. It, The the easiest and most obvious way to think about this is the virus is just too small. An airborne virus is much smaller than the the flu one. Yes. Your average surgical mask. Yes. It's too small. Hey, you've done great work, man. I mean, seriously, like service to the Republic level of work. Please keep it up. God bless you. All right. Steve, thanks so much for having me. You bet. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? I can't wait to see what he does with life moving forward after this is put aside for the most part. And it's just a follow up every once in a while. His He talks about being cynical, but boy, it is he should be running a journalism department somewhere. I mean, he really needs to be the point man on how this republic returns to the kind of critical thinking that once made it great. Thank you for your service, Alex. Yes, and uh, the the point about pushing back on the pseudoscience surrounding masks, and then when it comes to the time, guys, we're going to have this conversation. I, I don't think it's even... I don't think it's even dependent on the election. We're going to have a conversation and a debate about forced or mandatory vaccinations. I, I it's think going have to it, come. even if Trump it, wins, even if Trump maybe wins, maybe even more so if he wins, frankly, because and, he'll want to champion. Alex is right. And, he, this is going to be his trophy. I, you know, my administration, we did this. Yeah, and this is something that that's going to come up in uh, fake news or not next segment that I'm kind of interested in, in talking about. So that's a good uh, promo for the next segment. That's coming up next right here on Blaze TV Radio or Podcast. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Parlor at Steve Dace. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. And if you are a podcast listener, 
We appreciate all of you every bit as much as we do every other kind of listener and viewer we have. We just ask two things of you. If you've not yet done these two, please uh, hit that subscribe button for us and leave us a five-star review. We have had so many of you do those things already. They help the show to grow. Now, I don't know how. I'm just told that that's how it works in the uh, podcasting world. So keep hitting that subscribe button. Uh, Keep leaving us those five-star reviews. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us already. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Pop Culture Tuesday, the NFL begins in two days. That seems to be the new front in America's cultural civil war. We'll get into that coming up here in Pop Culture Tuesday. But let's get to Fake News or Not, brought to you by our good friends at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you want to get into this uncertain real estate market, make sure that you go in with an agent who is all in for you, that has a proven, vetted track record of success that shows they know what they're doing. Now, where would you find such an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. No one no one gets listed there without going through a vetting process. In fact, the only reason an agent would want to be listed there is because they're fine with being vetted, that they know they've got the goods. They've got the record of accomplishment and integrity that you are looking for. So if you are anywhere in the country, well, I'm sure there's some remote location where maybe we don't have an agent for you, but just about anywhere in the country, go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, let's get back to fake news or not. And we're back to regular order. So we're back to fact-checking the the newsmakers and the news platforms that claim to be making news and communicating real news to those of us in the what's left of America, America. And let's begin here with reckless anti-vaccine rhetoric. Under my leadership, we'll produce a vaccine in record time. Uh, Biden and his very liberal running mate, the most liberal person in Congress, by the way, is not a competent person, in my opinion, would destroy this country and would destroy this economy, should immediately apologize for the reckless anti-vaccine rhetoric that they are talking right now, talking about endangering lives, and it undermines science. All right, there you go. That's the president responding to the clip that Aaron, you had in your montage earlier where Kamala Harris said, hey, if we had a vaccine before the election, I wouldn't take it because I don't trust Trump. And there's another clip that we didn't uh, that didn't make the cut this week, but ties into this. Simone Sanders, chief spokeswoman for the Biden campaign, uh, would, would not confirm to, I think it was Brett Barrett Fox, whether if there is a COVID vaccine, uh, Joe Biden would take it or not. So there you go, Aaron, fake news or not. We're going to let you take this one first because I'm guessing Todd's going to take a while. So uh, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so this one, as entertaining as I entertaining as I find it, that like the the, the stereotypical roles are reversed, and the de- you know, did Kamala Harris is actually right for the wrong reasons? I think mm-hmm. as as hilarious as I find this, ooh, baby, uh, pump the brakes. This is this is fake news. I mean, this is danger. Will Robinson territory. I think, at least from what I've seen anecdotally, most people are not uh, anti-vax. They're not necessarily even vaccine skeptics. But I don't think 
I, I don't. I think the vast majority of people are not forced vaccination by any stretch of the imagination. And I know that's not what we're talking about here, but it just illustrates that people are. I think a little bit. You'll find you'll find um, both extremes, but I think most people, at least from what I've seen, are a little bit laissez-faire about this. And when you go out there and you start using a, I, I, I would just say Danger Will Robinson on, on going any further with this. Because I think a lot of people, once they start hearing or start uh, sensing forced vaccination or anything like that, anything resembling that, they're going, that, I mean, that could be a danger for Trump. So if he wants, if he wants uh, the Democrats or if he's fine with the Democrats just kind of flailing out there, that's fine. Let him do that. But I would pump the brakes on going much, much further with that, uh, with that line. Because the reality is, uh, like I said, Kamala Harris is actually right for the wrong reasons. It's not orange man bad. I don't, you know, I'm not a skeptic on vaccines because orange man bad or anything like that. But uh, she's actually, she actually, I think anybody skeptical of a, of a vaccine coming to market in like you know six, seven months uh, has a right to be. Todd, what do you think? I almost don't need to say anything because of the quality of the thinking of both Alex and Aaron on this. I, I have two points on this, and none of it has to do with my personal opinion on vaccines. A, Donald Trump, I know a certain person who uh, has a history of being a vaccine skeptic. You. You have shown <laughs> and have right. numerous quotes about. I've forgotten about You haven't that. been a firebrand or anything yeah. like that, but you've just said, you know, I don't know. There's some concerns, and there's been rumors about that his son Baron may have some sort of spectrum issue. I I don't know none of my business, but you are on the record as saying you have questions. So there's that. That's why this is fake news. And secondly, and Aaron, it, it did touch on this again. It has nothing to do with my opinion, but there are all kinds of Alex Baron in the world not not as researchers or that but hey i'm vaccinated my kids are vaccinated but i've got some questions that's a growing body of people out there if you do not recognize that that is the kind of thing that could if if you make this an idol if you're like i only i can bring the magic elixir you are playing with a level of fire that you do not truly understand come november back off so I, I, I really try to ha- have this segment as much as I can be you two's perspective on the clip. Since I picked the clips, I kind of feel like, you know, um, it, it's game in the system to pick the judge, the yeah. evidence and the jury, and then render my own verdict. You know what I'm trying to say? Sure. But after you hear us, you know, yeah, but after hearing you guys, I have a couple of thoughts I wanted to get your, that I, that I'm thinking, and I want your reactions to it. Okay. I, I think, I, I, I think that. You know, my position on this is is I've been saying it all along. The surest way to make me a skeptic of your vaccine is to mandate it. All right. I mean, that's a long way from Jonas Salk going on national television and injecting his own children with a polio vaccine to convince people that it was safe to take this. Uh, to mandate, we have to take it. And I had all my vaccinations and boosters updated a few years ago to go to Haiti told that story before don't need to rehash all of that okay but the mandating aspect of it to me is um, uh, that's a hard no on my end which is why I think watching these clips watching these uh, the the two clips the Kamala clip and then the one we just saw of the president and listening to what you guys had to say I think maybe both sides are on the wrong side of this politically or they're messaging it in a way that is a political loser. Um, 
I, I think for Kamala Harris to flat out say, I wouldn't trust a vaccine if it happened before the election is terrible politics for their side to say. Um, because it's a it's clearly it's she's she's not even implying that the virus is being politicized. She is directly politicizing the virus. And she's also therefore if 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 politically it is bad for you, let's take away let's take a, set aside all of our individual views of vaccinations right, here for I just did. a second like yeah. you did and just look at the politics of this. Yeah. If you are if you are tacitly admitting to CNN that a vaccine or and most when most people hear vaccines, what do they think? Cure, right? That's what most people think. Yes, a okay. lot of them do. Okay. You're right. All right. So if 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 you're tacitly admitting to CNN that a cure for COVID is bad for you politically, then what's the flip yeah. side of that, guys? Then what's good for you politically? That what not, is it? Not curing COVID. Not curing COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Staying locked down, losing I, your job, I, losing your house, your kids I, don't go to school. You're literally branding yourself. I, yeah, and that we politicize these lockdowns all along. Yeah, and, and it, I, 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 again, the, the the chaotic messaging of their side right now. It's 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 incredible to witness. This morning, there's a clip of uh, Joe Biden going around saying all Trump wants to do is open up the country. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you're uh, yeah. The implication there is that yeah, all you want to do is keep the country closed. Yes, like, it's just ridiculous. That's exactly right. Now the flip side of this, though, is the danger of an over aggression about a vaccine. And you sell this, you sell this, you sell this, you sell this, and and this becomes your your. We put a man on the moon. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He won't be able my, to help my, himself. My He's going to be like invasion. Willy Wonka, man. Yeah, yes, that this is the signature moment, the signature accomplishment, policy initiative of you. Hey, we put this program in place. We put all this money out there to to make this happen. It was like put a man on the moon, invade Iraq, and find the weapons of mass destruction. You know what I'm? I mean, it's that level. If we're going to do this, then and it's just and let's say it's safe, but it's just a therapeutic, like a flu vaccine is. Okay. Um, or let's say we rush it, and it's not safe because there's a there's there's a gold rush here, and human nature may cut corners. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're putting a lot. You're, you're staking a lot of your credit. Then let's say they never come up with one because they never came up with one for the first one. We haven't come up with a single vaccine for a coronavirus in vaccination history okay so what happens if they don't well you're more on the hook for it now because of how you stuck your neck out there for it it's just a terrible play i think what you're watching is 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 trump politicizing the the vaccine because he sees this as his accomplishment and i think that comes with pitfalls and I think you're watching Kamala Harris and the Biden campaign politicize the virus itself yeah. and the lockdowns that go along with it and the restrictions that go along with it because they know that they weren't going to beat this guy. If the election was in January and February, they, before we knew what a COVID was, they weren't beating this guy. The economy was too good. People were fairly, they still didn't really care that much for him, but they were satisfied with the direction of their lives and their candidates failed to impress or capture anybody's imagination. And this is their only path to victory. So 
maybe they're both wrong. They are. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to this next clip. Is this the fastest job market recovery ever? In July, the Congressional Budget Office was projecting unemployment over 10.5% through the end of 2020. So they thought 2020 and maybe it would be a lot longer than that. Some projections where you'd go through the entire year and... uh, That includes uh, a lot of months in the following year, 2021. And instead, the unemployment rate plunged really to the surprise of many, all the way down to 8.4% in August. And that's the second largest single month decline on record. And we have the first. We have both of them. So we have the uh, two number one declines. Decline meaning positive, not negative. We're currently witnessing the fastest labor market recovery from an economic crisis in history. Quickly, I want to—I was going to mention this about the previous clip when he went after Kamala. The part where he says, "And by the way, I think she's incompetent," and then just goes yeah, right out. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It never gets old. I loved it. Because you know what? I, I just, I've been in operation. You know, the, the staff is like, we've got good news. Please, Mr. President, stay on script. Stay on script. All right. We, this, is our, this is the message we need. And somewhere in there, you know, at some, at some point in time, his ego's like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm going to choose a spot and take a shot. Okay. And by the way, I think she's incompetent. <laughs> it just goes right back. I just looked at it. Okay. Anyway, this clip. Uh, the messaging and the facts on the job recovery. Todd, you get to go first this time. Fake news or not? It's it's not fake news. I wish he would spend more time talking about why it's it's it has less to do with what he's done, although it it's not immaterial, with what he's done during the pandemic and the lockdown itself than the fundamentals he put in place before we had ever heard of a mm-hmm. coronavirus. Th- that level of confidence is now uh, he had on reserve. And people clearly uh, in this country uh, rallied to it before and are rallying uh, to it again. It's probably the thing they like best about him and why before we had ever heard of COVID, uh, I, you said he, you know, he probably can't, uh, can't lose. I think you made a, yeah. You know, Aaron, I'm going to let you go before I respond to Todd. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, this is not fake news. And this is, this is um, as I said earlier, he's doing a better job at staying on message uh, than, uh, than conservative media. I mean, that's, that, that's just the reality right there. And it's undeniably good news, no matter how the numbers have been, uh, m- let's call it massaged since the Obama years, as far as, uh, as far, far as unemployment goes. But uh, it's undeniably good news. It's undeniably surprising news as well. And uh, to do it so quickly, uh, yeah, I don't think that's that's fake news at all. By the way, for those wondering what the unfettered um, uh, unemployment rate is, if you there's a, if you look at the unemployment from uh, report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you want to look for the U six line. You'll know what I mean when you look at it. It, it will literally just say U six in the table. Okay, that's that's the the part of the report you want to look at. U six, that is the unweighted, pure, unadulterated unemployment rate. Okay, the the unadulterated. And for those wondering, it, it, it was it was adjusted in the Obama years. I would argue, 
to try to make it look more positive than it was because notice that it went up after they made the adjustment but you know it's 10 years ago now i guess i can let it go the the actual unemployment rate is 14.2 percent but it is down from about 18.6 percent a few months ago so even in the hard 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 numbers we're trending here in the right direction okay um I think this is a case maybe where if he ends up getting reelected, because I, I, I don't believe he did a good enough job championing reopening. No. I thought the press conference that they had the day of uh, where they laid a reopening plan, I thought it was phenomenal, that presser that day. And they then, then the next day he comes out and starts, in the next two days actually, he comes out and starts ripping poor Brian Kemp down in Georgia right. for doing what he, said, just, what he said he wanted to do. Okay, he's His messaging's been all over the place. Debbie Burks was in Minnesota last week telling people to wear masks in their homes, why she's not fired and put out to, in some Siberian desert by now, I don't know. We've got Anthony Fauci now essentially writing the Psalms for the Green New Deal as the, as the way out of uh, the pandemic era. Yeah. I mean, these people all are still have jobs, right? Okay. Right. I mean, they're, they're messed. He's been all over the place on yeah. this. And we have been hyper, hyper critical of this because of what's at stake, both for the, not just the election, but the future of the damn country and our ways of life. Okay. This may be a case though, that if he ends up getting reelected, it's going to be based off of a, of a, of recovery that happened in real time that he was the beneficiary of as opposed to the instigator of, right? You can't point to his tax cut and his regulatory um, uh, relaxations and things that you get appointed to in 2017, right? This happened in spite of him. This isn't, you know, Reagan with, you know, cutting the tax rates across the board. Um, this happened in spite of him. And in some respects, it's like the Clinton, a lot of the Clinton recovery was the was the organic atmosphere of the or, or ecosystem that developed because of the dot-com uh, 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 bubble that eventually popped after he left office, but he'll have benefited from this rather than instigated it. It happened really almost in spite of him. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next clip. Let's take a look at this one. Is pro family a political winner? This is something I disagree with that Mitt Romney tried to do back in 2012 is have us stop talking about social issues. I don't believe that all of a sudden we should embrace this metropolitan Malibu or Manhattan worldview and just forget all of this incredible history we have of how the family has withstood the test of time. Pro-family is a key part of what you talk about, Steve. I mentioned this in my RNC speech where we're actually on pace in 2021. We're actually on pace, according to the Brookings Institution, have 500,000 less children next year than this year. This is a population collapse. People want to be able to live quiet and peaceable lives, to have many children. And the party that can convince people of that and prove that they are the pro-family party, the pro-children party, will be rewarded politically. And President Trump has been on the right side of this issue, while the Democrats, for whatever reason, pandered to a very radical, extreme cultural agenda from Malibu and Manhattan that I think is actually a loser for them long term. By the way, Fox News reported last week, Divorce has increased 34% over last year. One year increase in divorce in America, 34% over where it was a year ago. Aaron, your thoughts? That, of course, is associated with the stress, I'm guessing, with the lockdowns and yeah. what that did to people's livelihoods and lives and everything else. But what do you think? 
Well, that's, I mean, generally speaking, that is not fake news. And, you know, what people talk about in terms of uh, promotion of the family, you know, we can get into specifics about that. But generally speaking, of course, I, I still think the vast majority of people want to live the quote unquote normal life. Now, in the generation, my generation, and certainly Gen uh, Z as well, um, it, it seems like the ones we see out on the streets right now, uh, they have a different idea of what peaceable, normal lives look like. Now, I don't, I, again, I don't want to do the same thing with Gen Z that lots of people uh, have done with, with my generation, extrapolate a few instances out to an entire generation. But at least at the present time, a pro-family message still can, uh, 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 still can win. Obviously, and and I believe Charlie Kirk is is right there in saying that uh, if you do base your if you do at least at least do some winks and nods and make that a part of your messaging, generally speaking, yes, you will be rewarded politically. Todd, well, this is not fake news, and Charlie Kirk is not known for pulling punches, but he was talking largely within a political uh, efficacy uh, argument that I. I He's absolutely right about, but it, 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 it goes further than that. This is simply existential. We are, it's not imaginative. We are at the bottom of that slippery slope and we're hurtling into a ravine. It's transgenderism versus the reality that Charlie talked about. And you got to pick a side. There's, there's no avoiding it anymore. And so I just see Charlie and raise him in terms of it not being fake news. Can a cult of personality be a good thing? Watch. It's just really fr funny to hear some of the establishment Republicans talk about MAGA world as a cult of personality. I think they're confused because many of their champions like Mitt Romney and John Kasich had no personality at all. And so having a little personality <laughs> and animating our values with a little bit of energy is a good thing. It's the stuff of winning. And it's why in tens of days, I believe that the country will reelect Donald Trump. Right, that's from Congressman Matt Gates. Todd, what do you think? Oh, that's not that's not fake news. That's undeniably true. And set set aside Donald Trump. This is throughout human history, you know, a level of uh, charisma and charisma if in a particular moment. I mean, obviously, the charisma that uh, Churchill brought to bear before the war and after the war just rubbed people the wrong way. But when it came time to the fight was really on. It's like um, that. That's what we need. This is undeniably true. It's it's basically psycho psychology or speech giving 101. Uh, preach. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I actually had somewhat of the opposite uh, reaction as I was watching that. I think, I mean, the reason uh, charisma is always, to me at least, just the cherry on the top. All right. If Mitt Romney had come out, even in his very well-polished and uh, very articulate uh, manner of speaking, and said, uh, and said uh, Mexico is sending us their rapists, their drugs, all of the things that Donald Trump would have said. Can you imagine Mitt Romney saying that? Of course you can't. No, it's but what it made me laugh. <laughs> if he would have said, if he would have, Gina is stealing our jobs. They're stealing our property. We must defeat Gina. He would have won in a landslide. If he would have come out and said all of the things that Trump said with his personality, he still would have won. 
but he didn't because the the substance the substance just wasn't there in that package. So that's that's my take on it. So I don't really think. I mean, the the cult of personality is better than having no personality at all. I, again, that's those 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 comparisons. I, I I don't like those comparisons. Toe jam is well, better than I, than no jam at all. Okay, come on now. You're not you're not wrong. But think we've we all know this to be true. Take take a a, a homily or a, or one of your preachers right, right. written the guy. And it's outstanding. It's why I don't, it is, I don't, I don't, I don't bristle at being called an entertainer. If the no, show is not I entertaining, know, it know. doesn't matter how compelling my views may or may not be. I, I get that. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay? I mean, my wife and has I talked agree to me after that. homilies and said, what do you think? I said, well, there was a lot of great red meat in there, but it bored me to tears. The delivery sucked. What I'm, what I'm concerned about though is, is I don't think what you're describing is a cult of personality. I think you're describing the term charisma things of that nature, where I'm inspired by you, but I don't idolize you, right. okay? I, I, I bris- I'm with Aaron, though. I, I bristle at the notion of flipping the script and saying the cult of personality is a good thing. I'd have preferred to hear, I think a cult of personality is one thing, being inspired by somebody who amplifies your values and takes them in, into the arena of ideas for you is a totally different thing, and there's nothing wrong with rallying to that. Uh, and supporting that. You know, I don't like the idea of us trying to make or turn cult of personality into something that is a positive. Because I, I, I don't think it is Jim Jones. I don't think cults of personality usually turn out very well. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. It didn't seem like Gates was like totally, not to defend him, or he was like totally going off the reservation on, you know, not blood oaths or anything like that. I think he just said like, this is presentation matters. We all agree on that. It does matter. It does. All right. One last clip. Here it is. This president's uh, advanced policies that have laid a foundation for this great American comeback. Joe Biden and the Democrats are advocating policies uh, that would turn us back. And for all those Americans that aren't yet back to work, uh, we need four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House. All right, that's Vice President Pence on CNBC. Is that good messaging? Aaron, fake news or not? Uh, in lieu, in lieu, uh, or not in lieu, in light, I should say, of the jobs numbers, I, I think that actually is pretty good messaging. You know what? You may not have a job uh, yet, but the foundation that's here and the rate that we're actually adding jobs back, you know, if you don't have one now at the rate we're going, you're going to have one here in the next four years, whereas uh, Biden wants to shut us all down again. I think that's pretty good messaging, yeah. If I, Talk. It's fake news because Pence is saying it, and it proves my point about the last <laughs> one. Do you ever feel better about something, even if you agree with every word that he said after Pence is the guy who said it? I don't know. He takes you know, the life right I, out of you. I, I actually thought that was really good messaging, and I'm um, I'm not a Mike Pence fanboy by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I think it's, in, in, like you said, Aaron, in light of the situation, I think that's probably their best messaging that they can they can make, which is... We're making progress. We're we're heading in the right direction in returning the country back to where it was before the virus. You know, why would you want to interrupt that progress? Why would you want to entrust yourself to the people that are telling you that locked? You know, they're not in favor of reopening the country. They're not in favor of a vaccine or a cure. They're not in favor of those things. That they they view the virus as their politi- as their ally, their route to political power. If anything, I. 
you know, um, yeah. I think Pence should have taken his point even further and, 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 and said the things I just added but to it. But he can't and he won't, which <laughs> well, is... Well, that's why I'm not much of a Mike Pence why, fan. I mean, listen, for whatever past differences aside, one thing about the messaging in the Trump administration, it's been as good as it's ever been. And a lot of that has to do with Kaylee McEnany. Agreed. She's done a fine job. She's not Mike Pence. Yeah, I, I agree. She's done a fine job. And, you know, I I debate within myself how often to bring that up or acknowledge her because the woman did just lie right to my face on CNN on national television once when we debated each other. I, I mean, it's yeah. hard to overlook that. No, okay? you shouldn't. But then, I, but uh, then I I'm, not, I'm not like bitter against her. Well, I don't want her to fail. I don't I, even talk about it. I didn't plan on bringing it yeah. up. I'm just saying, but that's the difference. The showmanship, the snark. She she channels Trump when, yeah. she's, when she's got the video over of her Pelosi. shoulder on loop yeah. of Pelosi. Yeah. I mean... I just I feel like if I compliment her, then I then I get I'm a sellout, you know, that forgets the fact that she lied to me on national TV. And then if I if I if I don't compliment her, then I come across as bitter because my candidate now, lost. Defense, so I, I just don't even talk you, about it because I can't never win. bring it up. I've yeah. All right, let's let's do Pop Culture Tuesday when we come back, because apparently as we want to go to war with one another on football. We'll get into that here in a moment. Here's why we recommend Rough Greens for your dog, because just like us, dogs have all sorts of complex nutritional needs. They need the vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, probiotics, omega oils, a lot of the same things that we need from our food as well. Things that they would get if they were still in the wild and not domesticated, but are left out a lot of their regular food, which has been sterilized. It's dead food in in many cases, like a lot of the food we eat is dead and sterilized as well because they want it to last on a long shelf life. That's why we're taking so many supplements these days, and it's why you should look at Rough Greens as the supplement for your dog. It is not a new dog food, but a premium dog food supplement. You sprinkle it on your dog's food, and apparently it makes it taste even better. Our dog, Cap, loves this stuff, but it puts all the stuff back in your dog's food that he needs to be healthier and happier. And you can take the Rough Greens 14-Day Jumpstart Challenge today for just fourteen ninety-five. Just $14.95. See if you don't see the difference in your dog in two weeks or less. Go to roughgreens.com slash blaze, R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. So the National Football League begins its 101st season on Thursday night. Aaron, your defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs yep. are at home against the Houston Texans, whom they faced in the playoffs back in January. Yep, That will be the first game of the year, and then a full slate of games on Sunday, a couple of games on Monday night. A lot of these places have no fans, or very few, to start off with. But we're here, and a lot of people thought it was never going to happen, but the NFL is bound and determined to play. Now, the NFL also seems bound and determined to play politics as well. We'll get into that here in a moment. But let's just talk about the games. I went through over the weekend and with my power ratings, and I'll let you know, I have almost no home field advantage. I I just, I don't think there will be one. I think at maximum home field advantage in the NFL anyway is not like what it is in college, maybe 
two to three points for a Kansas City arrowhead in a sellout in a big game kind of environment. These are pros. They're just, you know, they're just not intimidated by home field environments the way a 19-year-old college kid might be. All right, so I don't put much of an emphasis on home field anyway, but I have almost none. I mean, even the way they travel, these guys are traveling, I mean, private jet, everything else. Even that's not much of a, of a factor anymore. Um, I did put a lot of weight on the quarterback position, I think, with where we are with a lack of an offseason. Having a proven, effective, high-achieving quarterback, I think this year it's already the most important position in all of American team sports. I think it's going to matter even more this year. So as we begin Pop Culture Tuesday, looking at the start of the NFL, the intersection between pop culture and conservatism, let's just start briefly on the games themselves. Simulating the entire NFL season, all 256 games, with my power ratings, this was... These were the final standings that I came up with, all right, uh, with, with my power ratings. I've got three teams making the playoffs out of the AFC North. Now, why is that star there by the Browns? On average, since 1990, there have been five different playoff teams in the NFL per season. It's, or it's almost five. It's like 4.86 or something is the average amount of new playoff teams. So this is a very high variance league. All right. The Browns are one, now in my simulation, four new playoff teams made it. And remember this year we have an extra playoff team in each league. Okay. So there's only one team getting a first round by. So the Browns are the first, if you look at my AFC North, the Browns are the first team I have that didn't make the playoffs last year. Actually should be a star there by the Steelers too. I made a mistake. They didn't make it last year either. So the Steelers and Browns didn't make the playoffs last year. I have them both making the playoffs this year. Uh, Where are we going next? We're going to the AFC South. I have the Colts just edging the Titans uh, to win that division. I have the Titans with the same record they had last year when they made it to the playoffs. In the AFC East, I have the Bills ending New England's run of division championships. What is it, like 16, 17 in a row that they've won? Yeah, I have the Bills, though, ending that. At least that's what my power ratings have. And then in the AFC West, I have your Chiefs clinching this thing by basically Thanksgiving. Nice. Is what my power ratings have. So there you go. Over in the NFC North, I I hated this, but this is what the power ratings came up with. All right. Uh, My power ratings actually have, with the weakest schedule in the division and Matt Stafford healthy, have the Lions edging out the Packers and the Vikings for the playoffs. Obviously, my power ratings do not like the Bears at all. Don't like the Jaguars either or the Bengals. I think the Jaguars are trying to suck. I don't. I don't think the Bears are. Uh, in the NFC South, I have the Saints and Buccaneers, but uh, this has all the tiebreakers factored in. The Saints would actually end up winning the division via tiebreaker over Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay and Detroit would be two of the new playoff teams uh, from last year. In the NFC East, I have the Cowboys winning this division by basically Thanksgiving, and then in the NFC West. A little bit more of a dogfight here, but I like the 40, my power ratings like the 49ers take a bit of a step back and still be a playoff team, but the Seahawks to win the division. And then if you look at how this would all play out in the playoffs, here's all you need to know. My power ratings have the Cowboys versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. All right, so that's what my power ratings say. Cowboys versus the Ravens in the Super Bowl. And my power ratings, they are the number one and number two rated rosters in the NFL. 
Baltimore and Dallas, man one to 53. And they just so happen to be in opposite conferences. And so they're in the Super Bowl. Any thoughts you have about that before we get into the whole debate about whether we should watch any of these games or not? Can you put that back up, Aaron? Uh, right, the one that sticks out the most. Why? What is it about the um, Texans that are six and ten? They strike me as an eight hundred team at worst and a likely playoff candidate to me. Uh, well, they've won this division a couple of years in a row. Uh, they've had several losses, including the best player overall on their team. Uh, other than J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. The age of J.J. Watt, uh, no Jadavion Clowney. Uh, the, 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 my power ratings say the defense is going to take a substantive step back for the Texans. Okay. Yeah, um, the Titans, is it just the quarterback? Because yeah, overall, my, my power outside ratings do of not, that position. Do not believe Ryan Tannehill will repeat what you saw down the stretch last year. So my power ratings look at what their turnover margin was last year. Derrick Henry had a, a, you know, MVP kind of a season. Ryan Tannehill was electric the last month and a half of the year, and they still went nine and seven. So my power ratings are like the odds that they're going to do all three of those three things again, not high. If you were uh, one more question, if you're putting the odds at the Patriots just on the Bill Belichick factor, because he's taken quarterbacks we've never heard of before and made mm-hmm. them amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can he do, you think, with Cam Newton if you were uh, uh, originating a line for for the odds they'll make it to this, just make it to the Super Bowl? What would it be? I think that not having him there the entire offseason, and hey, Steve, no one had an offseason, but he's coming to a brand new system and a brand new team. I think the fact that they voted him MVP already is indicative of the massive void left by Tom Brady. And so you wonder... You know, the whole debate has been, has it been Belichick or has it been Brady? And I've maintained all along, it's both. There's a symbiotic relationship there. But but the fact that Cam Newton got voted team captain already tells me, especially when you look at the amount of veterans that are sitting out for New England, the infrastructure that kind of enforces Bill Belichick's culture, because he can't be around him all the time, and he hasn't been around him. This is the least amount of time he's been around him is this offseason, right? That tells me that there was such a void there that they were eager, almost aspirationally hoping that 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 this was almost like a vote of confidence to cam yes we want you to be that guy please go be that guy and 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 i think from a skill position standpoint this is the least amount of talent new england has had in several years i think it's the least impressive array of skill position talent they've had and i i when you when you've got a bunch of players that aren't used to each other within the system how high is the execution level as opposed to if my athlete's just better than your athlete and I get him the ball in space, he makes a play. Know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, but would I be shocked if my numbers were totally wrong and New England won the division again and they didn't go eight and eight? No, I would not be. So it's the question. So let's talk now about the debate about whether to watch or not. This continues to rage inside my inbox. Um, I hope he won't mind me saying this. If he does, I'll just deny it, even though it's actually going to be on the air and on tape. But um, my buddy Chip Roy and I got into a bit of lover's quarrel over a text last night about this, okay? Because he is just adamant about not watching any of it. And just, he hates it all. Hates what's become of all of it, okay? I told you, man. I am I am just, I am beyond tired of just handing things over to these people. We handed him the schools. We handed him Hollywood. Now look where we are. 
You know, I mean, it's like the first time they ever show up to infest something. We're just going to find then we're out of here. I mean, okay, you know, get thee to a monastery. The, 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 this approach doesn't work. And by the way, why are the people who own all the guns fleeing the institutions? Does that make any sense to you? Well, the people with the guns are the ones fleeing. The people with the guns eject. I don't know. They, the people with the guns are wearing masks outdoors in Texas right now when it's 175 damn degrees. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe y'all don't believe your own gun rhetoric. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you just collect them for sport. Maybe they don't, they aren't like tools of, of freedom and you don't really believe in the actual background of the second amendment because it seems to me a lot of the, a lot of you folks were just totally fine with being locked down on junk science and putting up with it. And now you just want to, let's just, hand, we'll just, we'll hand a fringe group. Yeah, this has been our sport founded by our values a hundred years ago. Well, the, the first sign, we'll just hand this fringe group, our, the, the NFL, we'll hand them our schools, we'll hand them everything else. Okay, then where are you going? Where's your alternative to all of this? We don't have any. It's not like you built any alternative infrastructure to any of this. So then you're just now, you're just giving them stuff. We don't, we don't, they're going to take your fleeing as confirmation that they were, they were right. You can't take the heat. You know what you need? More Tyler Eiferts that put that poor cop that got killed on his helmet instead. Stand up. And say, dude, go to hell. I'm not wearing a decal on my helmet for a guy who pointed a gun at a pregnant woman's stomach. Screw you. That's what's missing. You walking away won't do anything. You won't, you're, it, it won't matter if the TV ratings drop. They'll just blame it on the virus. I don't think they'll drop, by the way. But they'll just blame it on the virus. Not to mention, it's all subsidized by corporate America. The NFL is not your enemy. Corporate America is. They're the ones who fund all of this and they're the ones that are going to buy up all the spot avails for the NFL at the exact same time. I, I just, I don't understand why our, our our strategy on everything is just to flee, just to run. All right, we're not doing that anymore. We're out. What are you going to do instead? Not that. What are you going to do instead? I don't know. I, I, and by the way, I know what you're not doing instead, going to church. So don't give me your high-minded message on that, brother. I know you're not doing that instead. So what are we doing instead? We're taking our guns and we're going home. That's America, bitch. Yeah. So, Todd, go ahead. I know you're you chomping at the bit. We, you're arguing for market forces working, and they have, to some extent, in at least changing the pressure of the conversation in college football. This is the same thing. You no, can't, it's not. Yes, it's it not, is. Because you're not arguing at what the market is. If, Corporate America is determining this market. The sports leagues are not. They if determine the, the market based the, on the level of passion and interest of the people who've made this the number one sport no, in don't. America. No, they don't. You, Corp, you t- Cor- corporate America does not determine the market based on that. They're going to spend all kinds of advertising dollars on this sport. Yes. If a demonstrable number of people. Yeah. No, no, they're not. It's called CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC. It's called you know, every newspaper are, in America. It's these called, are struggling they, entities. They, they exist, but they're struggling. They are. They make trillions of dollars. These mainstream media news agencies do. And they live in Taj Mahal's because there's subsidies for a narrative and an agenda. If you want to go I, after the narrative and agenda, you have to go over who's funding it. You and I are not funding this. Your purchase of the NFL Sunday ticket isn't funding this. Your, your fantasy football league isn't funding this. You're not. Corporate America is. They are true believers. They're who your enemy is here. 
That's where the market needs to go. They're the ones, Nike made Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick did not make Nike. Colin Kaepernick would be nothing without Nike. They made him. They're the ones promoting this. They're the ones signing off on this. They're the ones who believe this is this. They're the ones promoting the message. Well, That's fine. who your opponent then, is. Then walk away from Nike too. Okay. Then why is the NFL immune just from wa- that? Walk away. If their from, players the, are the ones putting that on there. You think it's the NFL? I don't believe that it if is. If the, the NFL, NFL players are a go full NBA, you've made this argument about the NBA. Why is the NFL immune to why it? Is if the they NBA are that, do, why if is they the are NBA? that dumb, if they put these messages on uh, on their uniforms, the same thing can happen to them and should happen to them. Why does the NBA not care that its ratings have gone down forty percent in two years? Why? I don't. But that's not the, no, I, the, the point. It is the point. It's the whole point. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. It's it, well. It may be, what, you may have a different it, point. I have my own. I tell you what. I tell you what. Here's here, here, Let's do this. Not on my, my name's Steve. Oh, I'll don't do my do own that. point, don't, and you can have your point. That's not but my that's point. Not is arguing. if you that's want to, arguing. if you would like to actually beat the NFL, this won't do it. I don't want to beat the NFL. The point is, everybody gets to have the autonomy to choose. How they spend their days I and time. I don't disagree and if they with want, that. What no, have you I said, told what you, are you doing? What you said? What's the point? Why do you just? You're not going to church. You're going, whatever they want to do, they do not have to be entertained by insufferable nitwits who who uh, patronize uh, the 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 things that they believe in and cherish and think they make this country great. And if football can't help them do that, God bless all of you for choosing to do something different. Okay, cool. That's your take. My take is that won't change anything. And they're just going to, they're going to own your sports world. Like they'll, like when we had that approach with the schools, they just, we left, they took them all over. When we had that approach with the universities, is, we left. Hey, I let you talk. It's not the Steve Day show. You know you have holes okay? in your argument because you're getting I don't so have, offensive. I didn't give you, let me make my argument. You've been talking the whole time. Did I not just let him talk for like two straight minutes? Got 30 seconds left. Thank you. Okay. When we did this with the schools, they took over. When we did this with the universities, they took over. When we did this with the cinema industry and pop culture, they took over. Every time we do this tactic, they take everything over. It never has its desired outcome. It never does. This never works. It has failed every single time. The NBA doesn't care that it's lost 40% of its television ratings because China's paying the NBA. China is who's funding that, okay? That's where they're making all their money. That's same thing's happening defense. here. Corporate America is funding all of this, and they'll just keep funding it until you make until you take away their illegal immigration, until you take away all their subsidies and their corporate welfare, and you tell them that they don't get to fund an anti-American agenda and benefit from the freedom and liberty and prosperity in this country at the exact same time. That's who your enemy is. That's why we keep having the same argument, whether it's the NFL or anything else. Corporate America funds and subsidizes. All of this. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.